Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. One, two, three. Hello, thank you for listening to Mixing Music. I'm your host, DK. Today is going to be an awesome episode. Um, I'm going to talk about my experiences at Mix with the Masters with Leslie Brathwaite in France. So I spent a week with him there um, and a couple days afterwards uh, where we just, oh my goodness, had so much to learn. I was there with 14, 14 people, including myself. Um, participants and that was such a dope experience so many people have asked me about that and kind of what I learned that I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to it this might be something that might have to be divided into multiple parts and information will slowly come out uh, over the next few episodes and over the entire podcast I, I want to say this right now mix with the masters with Leslie has been one of the biggest game changers to my uh, mixing career uh, as well the bigger than anything else more than technique more than anything else was mindset as well as kind of figuring out where I lie personally and there's a lot of value in that and I'll explain that a little bit later um, one of the biggest things that Leslie teaches I think really well that you don't get at all like I'm not saying like a little bit you get a little like you don't get it at almost at all like I, I have a hard time um, in our industry uh, you get clout um, as an engineer by most of the time, a lot of times by being really technical, by knowing your stuff and by obviously with your, your credit list and stuff like that. But w- among other engineers, like you get a lot of credit just by knowing stuff um, and being technical. And Leslie is super anti-technical in the sense that, yo, like we, you need to just remember the vibe of the song. Like the it's music is all about the vibe, like the feel, the feel of the music is what's important. And he always says like you people ask me like, what were your settings on this plugin? He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, because that's not what I'm paying attention to. I'm just like twisting knobs until it sounds good. Like, that's what he says. Like, that's a quote from him. Um, And his personality, his lifestyle, like everything about that, seeing that in person was, I think, the biggest benefit more than just techniques. He's a super minimalist when it comes to techniques. Uh, like another thing that I just love, like that proves the fact that it's not about technicality. Like, I mean, obviously he is very, he has very good ears and he, he ha- his feel is very spot on of the way this a feel of a song should be. But that's what he's focused on. He's not focused on, oh, these are my, these are my uh, plugins on and this setting. Like he doesn't, like he has settings, but he's not focused on that. That's not what it's about. It's about what do they do? And how do they make the user feel? If I had to explain in my own words what I took away the most out of this, it would be the fact that I remembered that mixing is about connecting the artist, enhancing the emotional connection between the artist and the audience. Like, that's all it is. I said that before in previous episodes. Like, I just want to reemphasize this. This is like a thought, a conclusion that I came to after hearing what Leslie 
was speaking over at Mix with the Masters in France, the Studio La Fabrique. Very beautiful studio, very awesome company, very awesome people. And I just wanted to share a couple of things that are in my notebook, and I just took crazy notes, um, that I think would be great for you to listen to. Um, One of the things that he talked about is his switch to going totally in the box um, and how much he doesn't regret it and how much, even if he was getting paid for it, would like never use analog voluntarily. Like he's just like, it takes too much time. It's not worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a really a big deal. And he, we didn't talk about gear cause again, that's not his vibe. Like he's not about gear. He's, he's about just getting stuff done. And, uh, it's so awesome. Like he, he just kind of, again, he emphasized the fact that like, what we do is like mostly just working with people. There was a whole like day where we just talked about like setting up dialogue, setting expectations with clients and like, yo, like finding out who's in charge, talking to them, like developing a language, like listening and appreciating their rough mix and basing your mix off of their rough mix just out of like respect and because they were going for a vibe. So you want to match that vibe. You don't want to change the vibe. I mean, that's bad for both parties, right? So you're just talking stuff like that. Um, it was so funny because we a lot of people get give trash on headphones. And uh, he even talked about, so we had some one-on-one time with him where we shared with him our mixes. Um, and uh, out of the 14 of us, there were two people where he said, yeah, this is done. This is what, this is, there's not much that I would do. Uh, this is it. Um, I was blessed to be one of those four, uh, one of those two people. Um, and the other guy mixed on headphones. Like it was on headphones. Like the dude, and it was a dope song. It was this French dude that's like local or a couple hours away from uh, from the studio, and it was like reggae hip hop type stuff. And the song was totally dope, and uh, he mixed it on headphones. And on top of that, his client didn't like his mix, partially because he's been doing live music for 20, 20 years. Like he mixes live music, and this was like one of the few times that he actually mixed, like for studio work and his client, his artist that he was working with, like didn't trust him based on the fact of clout, like not anything like it sounded great. And they he probably knew it. And Leslie ended up calling him and saying like in person, like, yo, this is sounds dope. Like this, this is amazing. Like, yo, I've won Grammy. <laughs> I've won Grammys. I'll just tell you like, this sounds great. Like this is an amazing record. And, um, the guy's like, oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. And kind of just realized, like, oh, it's all in his head, right? But, um, dude, the fact that, like, he makes it on headphones, it just blows my mind. That's so awesome. Um, and uh, I, th- I just, I don't know. Like, that whole week is just, I could, I don't know. I could just, there's so much things I could talk about. Again, I'm going to be totally scatterbrained. Um, I want to talk about, I made a list. Um, at Towards the end of the week, I made a list of things that, so I'm from Utah, currently based in Utah, and because I am not in a big city, one of the big major music cities, um, and as you've probably heard, I'm trying to move to a big major music city in the next year. But uh, one of the things that I've learned that my his mindset is dif- that's different from everybody's mindset from a non-music city. Now, music cities will have different mindset from what's traditional from where I'm from. But one of the big things is what I've noticed in Utah is that the only way to build clout is to be super technical, right? So that's one of the things that we talked about. 
Um, one of the things that he talks about it, that nobody else talks about, I've seen a lot of mix engineers from where I'm from, and you might be one of this too. I used to be this guy, is once you get a mix, you throw the faders down to zero or you, you throw them in unity and like you start over basically. And he said, no, like don't do that. Respect the writer's original thoughts. Like follow the rough mix. You shouldn't change a whole bunch of stuff like because they had a vibe going when they were producing it and when they were recording it. Like they had a vibe. Like that's the job of the recording engineer. It's like you're almost partially producing it because you're trying to get a vibe that the artist is feeling, right? Great. That's So that's like the number one thing on my list right here. And number two, it's like he's not ultra super precise or technical. He has great ears and I don't want to take away from that. Um, he, he doesn't really use hotkeys. I noticed like, like he loves to use his mouse. Um, and honestly, like he's not super efficient. I don't want to say he's inefficient, but again, like it's kind of, kind of goes to show the fact that like, yo, you don't really need to know pro tools or, you know, your software. You just like, again, it's all about the vibe. It's not about technicality. Uh, he hates gear. He, <laughs> he's like F analog. I would never use analog. Uh, <laughs> he said I would, <laughs> And this is different. Some people use Genelex and Barefoots and do a really good job. But he said, I would rather jump off a bridge before using Genelex, which I think is hilarious because people in Utah love Genelex and Barefoots. And then one of the other things is my one of my best friends that I made coming out of that seminar, he mixed, he showed him his mix and he's like, hey, you use Barefoots, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, how can you tell? And he's like, yeah, I could tell you're overcompensating like the Barefoot users do. And it was kind of funny because like, People get so caught up in like really nice Jennies and like really nice barefoots, and he's just like calling him out, and it's just like yo, like yo, it's not about that. It's it's he was okay, dude. The guy is like the guy's. Oh my gosh, just so awesome. Um, he only uses like twelve plugins total. Yes, that includes like reverbs, and that includes all compression, EQ, everything. Like he only uses like eight to twelve plugins, and like as as far as like a variety, like over all of his sessions, he probably has about 12 plugins total like maybe with a few random ones here and there but like in a typical session he also has a lot of tracks where there's no plugins at all and he uses like super minimal plugins per track so the only track that he actually uses a lot of plugins and like spends time on is the vocal track right but in general he like skips or he's like oh there's like because we were listening to a track and there was like some weird ringing coming out of like the tambourine or like an acoustic guitar or something like that and he like he's like i hear it i acknowledge it but it's kind of adding a vibe. And he just ignored it. And everybody else is like, oh, that kind of hurts. And he's like, and then he like unsoloed it. And like after everything else was mixed, I was like, you know what? That actually does kind of sound like add a vibe. That kind of sounds like a bell in the back. I don't know. Like uh, maybe I'm giving him too much credit on that one. But like really like he just like, yeah, like this is what they intended. Like if it was that bad, like they would have taken it out, you know? <laughs> and uh, so that was like that was like a Pharrell track that we worked that we worked on. And uh, there's also like talking in the background of like the backing vocals, and he just like left it. And he's like, well, first off, I know that we Pharrell and I we've we've had that dialogue where he just kind of likes that raw sound, but also the fact that like he left it in there, so obviously like he didn't want it taken out. But he does take stuff out like that when he feels like they need to be taken out. Um, the next bullet point I want to talk about, he said, he said, don't overcomplicate it, get it right the first time. Like if you're overthinking, like that's not good for you and that's not good for the client. Like, you know, you can usually figure out the feel of a track within the first hour, if that, and you can kind of get the framework done pretty quick and you shouldn't be taking a lot of time on it. You start to self-doubt. It's not mentally healthy. I, I'll use that word. It's not mentally healthy to, to remain on a track for a long time. You just kind of got to like do it really well 
and do it well, like, and, and finish it. Like, you got to realize, and if you're going to come back to it, take a break first, right? He doesn't use a lot of bussing. Like, he's super fast. Like, he doesn't, okay, this is, this is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. He doesn't use any bus compression or EQ, like, at all. Like, none. Zero. Nada. Like, nothing. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, he doesn't. And that's just his vibe. He's like, well, I, I can make it sound right without having to do that on a master ox or anything like that. Um, he doesn't really use saturation. Um, and the big question that we all want to ask him, right? Even I wanted to ask him. I did ask him. I said, hey, what's what's your advice on balancing the low end with like uh, the the bass and the kick? And he's like, just turn it up. He's like, if you want more kick, just turn it up. And that was his that was his answer. Like a lot of these things, it's not EQ. It's just taking that volume knob and turning it up. Like turn up that fader. Like that's it. Like that's that was his that was his advice, which I just love. And again, he just said like, hey, most of these stuff don't have to be fixed by compression or EQ. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of the times, ninety percent of the problem goes away just by turning down or turning up a track. And that is just so dope. Um, And one thing that I really do want to talk about is during this one-on-one time, he also didn't get super technical as far as feedback. And I I did have an an entire episode about giving and receiving feedback. I believe that that was episode three. Um, And we talked, and the way that he gave feedback, the way that he was kind of analyzing everyone's sessions, it was just so professional. It was exactly what I was talking about in episode three. And he wasn't caught up in the technical details. Like he realized that everybody was going for a vibe and he acknowledged that vibe. And he's like, wow, you did this on purpose. It sounds great. And he would take the time to listen to the song from zero to the end, all the way through with his eyes closed. No, he didn't say a single word. He was just listening to it and he was just bobbing his head. and He was just feeling the music. He wasn't even looking at the screen. Wasn't looking at the console. Wasn't seeing what the faders were doing. Nothing. Like, the meters were doing nothing. Like, he wasn't doing anything. He just, he showed appreciation for the music by listening to it all the way through without interruption. And I I personally learned a lot from that. Like, I have since then done that with my clients where if a client gives me a rough mix, I won't give feedback. I'll just, like, listen. I'll be like, and I'll vibe with it. And I'll show them that I'm vibing with it. And I'll take the time to listen to the entire rough mix without saying a single word. And then at the end of it, say, this is a dope song. And comment on the music. Like, this is great. Like, what you're doing, what you're communicating, I, I really love it. Uh, I, like, don't say this, but obviously, I, there's most of the time I'm like, okay, I'm about to make this dope. Like, I'm about to make this better, right? But... Uh, that was one of the things like he just really made each of us feel appreciated like our mixes like he made us feel like they were good um, he is also super like super abundance mentality um, just a little bit about that you should just google it abundance mentality um, and look it up if you don't but I'll just kind of summarize it real fast there's the scarcity mentality and the abund- uh, abund- uh, abundance mentality where like People with the scarcity mentality will think like, ooh, I got to like steal from people. I got to lie. Like I got to, there's not enough work to go around. So I got to steal them from other people. I have to be kind of cunning and kind of be sly and not really trustworthy. Um, They don't really do well. Um, And there's also lower forms of it where it's not lying and it's not cheating. But when there's no one else looking, he'll like go out of his way to do a project that he knows someone else would do. I don't know, stuff like that. I don't know. You you could decide what that means in our within our uh, realm. 
And then he's totally the opposite. He's like super abundance mentality. There's enough work to go around. I'm like just throwing stuff into the world. Like I'm not, I don't ask people for work. Like I never have, I don't really believe in asking people for work is what he would say. Um, and he's just like, there, people will come. Like if I continue to do a good job, things will happen. Like I, there, the one thing that he does is like, I just, I say, I want to mix this person's album. And he'll just like say that and throw it out into the world. And like, yeah, like, if I'm doing a good job, like that'll happen. And he's like, talks about, yeah, that a lot of that stuff comes back. He's just super, super, super genuine, very patient, very high, like morals. Like he's a family man. Like he's very outgoing. He's very passionate. He's like totally fun to be around. Again, emphasizing the fact that what we do is like 90%, 95% people skills, right? He never complains. I never heard him talk bad about anybody like on like a realistic level. Like we heard some bad examples, but those are not, he wasn't talking bad. He was talking about bad examples, right? Um, and then overall, like his entire mindset over technicality, like his vibe over technical stuff is just, again, I wrote that again. Um, one of the other things that he said was about respecting the culture of the genre. Now, this is an interesting topic because respecting the genre of EDM is totally different from respecting the genre of pop or hip-hop or rock. If you listen to a Foo Fighters track, which I did the other day just to kind of reference to something that I was doing, um, I was so impressed with how little low-end everything is and how like how much like high mids like everything is super mid-range like the kick drum and the bass was not coming through my subwoofer at all like it was like i was impressed um how little like range of frequencies there was in that track um but people obviously like it you know that's a vibe people are going for so i'm not going to say anything about it but you got to respect that culture like that's the culture of rock music you got to respect that culture you know um, with hip hop, you got to respect the culture of hip hop. It's supposed to be dirty. Like you can't judge a culture based on other genres expectations. I mean, yeah, like you kind of have to do that because pop music now, like it's, it's hip hop. Like it's not pop, like pop 20 years ago is, is totally something different from now. Even pop 10 years ago, five years ago is t- something totally different than what pop is now. But even then, like you got to still respect the culture. Like, um, hip-hop is supposed to be kind of dirty and loose and fun and i I don't know like it's supposed to be super lots of bass that's like the point of hip-hop um and lastly the last thing that i wrote is oh actually there's two more things second to last thing that i wrote is never setting rules there are no rules and he emphasized this a lot uh a lot a lot a lot there are no rules um and there's no right way to do anything, and there's no wrong way to do anything, and it always goes back to what he's what I said first is it's all about the vibe. If someone tells you you need to put a bus compressor on the master bus, well, what you should do is try it. Does it sound good? If you can't tell a difference, then you probably don't need it. Why would you put it on if you can't tell a difference just because someone told you to? There are no rules. There are absolutely no rules and you shouldn't feel like they, they told me not to put a big saturator at the end on on the master chain. Like if that's the vibe of your track, then go for it. I mean, obviously some people will appreciate the vibe a little bit differently and some people might not appreciate it at all. But I mean, like if that's what the artists want, if that's what you want in your music, like who gives a crap about what other people think? There are no rules. What we do is creative. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about that, I think you, I can do an entire episode about this and just this is the feel 
and the understanding the feel and the vibe that a song should have um, that skill takes time and experience so now that we've talked about vibe and feel of a song like getting to that point where you know the vibe and what it should be and the feel like that takes time and experience you can't negate experience Um, you have to be patient and you have to stay focused and you have to you know do bad mixes before you can start doing good ones um again this i'm going to repeat back to some older information that i said but you got to keep that feedback loop you got to have you got to do reference tracks um you got to listen to music like that's part of your job as a mixing engineer you should be listening to music like even outside the studio just to know what things sound like and what kind of sounds people are making um but all this stuff it takes time Andrew Shep said this in one of his YouTube videos. He said, I can teach you the EQ and how I EQ a snare, but I can never teach you how a good snare sounds, what, what, what a good snare sounds like. Like, you have to learn that on your own. Um, and I really believe that we all need to be patient, especially if you're long, young listening to this podcast. You have a lot of time and you have a lot of opportunities to learn and to grow, and you, you just need to keep going. Um, it kind of goes back to motivation in episode six, the last episode. You just need to figure out your balance and realize that experience, skill takes time and experience. If people are talking trash about you, you got to brush it off and keep going and realize you can only go up from here with occasional dips for certain mixes. <laughs> we all, I like... I have like a streak of great mixes and every once in a while that ha- it happens a lot less now. Um, and when I listen back to those mixes that like I, that I feel like I didn't do as well as I listen back, it's like, actually it sounds great. <laughs> but, but, uh, there's a uh, times when, um, you just got to realize that you got to be patient, you know? So stay mentally healthy, realize you're doing what you love, be humble gratitude 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 be grateful for the opportunities given to you if if your parents no matter how much you hate your parents if your parents are letting you do music if you're young obviously if you're younger than 18 and your parents are letting you do music and they even potentially if they even invest in gear which they have you do not deserve anything by the way i nobody deserves anything like nobody is born deserving anything right but if if you earned the right and the privilege to uh, have your parents get something for you or if you bought it yourself, whatever it is, and your parents allow you, you should be thanking them. There should be gratitude. Um, there, you know, gratitude is everything. And Leslie was a super grateful guy. He never, he like was really proud of the fact that he knows what he's doing. He's worked with great artists. But in the end, he was very humble and he was very realistic. He was very down to earth and very grateful. We all taught him something and we all learned from him. He acknowledged every single time that he learned something from us and he, we acknowledged every single time we learned something from him. It, it was such an incredible experience. I want to wrap up the episode, um, but that time in France was so much of an impact on my mindset now and today that I will be referencing back to this so many times. Like Leslie is the man you should go follow him on Instagram at Lester Bud. Like the dude is just a, a, a dude. The guy is so amazing. Like he and on top of all this, like he he does rap in Atlanta, 
and he's a family man. And he's thinking about his family. Like, I don't know. There's just so much to respect about him. He's genuine. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. Like, he's just a super respectable guy that he knows where he knows what he believes in and he knows where his values are and like where, um, what his standards are. Like he, he's just really dope. Like I cannot say enough good stuff about him. Uh, I'm hoping in the future, once we have a few more listeners, uh, that we get some sort of an interview where he gets to teach you this stuff from his mouth. Right. And I'm really hoping that we can do that. Uh, Anyway, that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much. Remember to, if you have any questions or suggestions on topics, hit me up on Instagram, DM me at D-E-E-K-E-I mixes or email me at dkmixes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Stay saucy. One, two, three. This episode of Mixing Music with DK has been brought to you by LaunchPod Media. If you want to start a podcast, make sure to start it right with LaunchPod Media. Psst! Hey you! Yeah you! Come join our Discord! The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com.